and welcome to the Under Pressure Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt Ellis, and joining me all the way from his own apartment over Zoom, like he always does, is Jake Barker. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me again. Obviously, I'm here every week, so thank you for that kind introduction. Yeah. yeah. Um, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been pretty good this week. I've been uh, been mixing it up with the, the sports that I've been watching and also playing this week. I've played a bit of bit of PlayStation 4 this week, played a bit of 2K20, which I'm very much into, and the new AFL Evolution as well. Two, I should say, yeah. uh, AFL Evolution 2. And you said last week that you would be uh, watching some of the past grand finals. Have you got up to that uh, all-important 2008 grand final yet? No, I haven't quite made it to 2008 yet. I've made it to the 2001 grand final. I'm at, the, I'm yep. at that point at the moment. So the Essendon and Brisbane one from back in the day. Ripping yep. grand final. Also, also, that actually has a documentary, little documentary on it. So that's also worth a watch, I reckon, as well. It gets an insight into the, uh, the Bombers and the Lions going into that grand final. So that's also an interesting watch as well. Yep. Yeah. What have no, you been watching? A, um, I've been... I haven't been watching, I will admit, but I've been taking a lot of note of some of the uh, esports uh, going on at the moment, uh, particularly with the the IndyCar on the weekend caught my attention, um, where um, a lot of interesting stuff happened where Australian supercar driver Scotty McLaughlin uh, won the race, where uh, Lando Norris, was uh, the F1 McLaren driver, was controversially crashed into uh i think on the last lap for memory and uh just another interesting motorsport uh race um that was good a lot of really good racing happening on the motorsport and uh lando norris uh by the time the podcast comes out will have raced but at the moment it's tomorrow uh we'll be racing in the uh supercars australian racing series um tomorrow night, uh, which I am actually really looking forward to. I think Lando is a very talented driver and uh, even more talented esports driver. So I, I can't wait for that. Oh, lovely. Very good. But the very thing nice. that I know that you've been looking at a lot this week is the NBL uh, dropping the, uh, with the pay dispute with some of their more marketable players who have been asked to take pay cuts. Yeah, so so obviously, as we not as we don't like to draw on, but uh, so due to the COVID nineteen, the NBL had agreed with the Players Association to start the free agency period a little bit later this year. So it's going to be from July one. Um, it was meant to start March thirty, but obviously, it was delayed and then delayed until May first, following the talks, and then. The NBL and the Players Association have agreed to set the new date of of July first. The I think the Commissioner Jeremy La Liga La Liga. It's a very difficult name to say La Liga. Try that. Sorry, try saying that five times. Um, yeah, he made a comment of um, we believe that these are sensible and workable arrangements that balance the interests of the clubs and the players as well as. We all, as we all face the challenges of COVID-19 together. So they're trying to make the league as best as possible 
for everyone. So he also went on to say that under the recent agreement, players can explore their options, which we'll get, in, which we will get into more in a second, uh, for this season only and have until Monday, May 4th, which was yesterday for us. So today's May, May 5th to notify their clubs if they, were wish, if they wish to opt out of their current contracts. So if they were going into their contract this year, they, they could choose to opt out. Uh, a number of players have done this, but, he, but even if they wish to do so, the clubs that actually have signed them, if they do end up opting out, if the league for some reason kicks back into normal circumstances, the team that had signed them has rights to their, to their contract if they were to come back. So no one else could swoop in and sign them because they've opted out of their last contract. So they, they would still be able to come in and sign for the same team, essentially. So as you said, yeah, there was uh, a, few, a few players opt out, of, opt out of their contracts in the end and a few high-key uh, players as well. So the likes of the MVP, Bryce Cotton, from the Perth Wildcats, he, he was the first one to start things rolling, actually. He, he's been there for say, just on three and a half years now. And he was very much part of the, the Red Army, as they call it. So he was, he was the first one to opt out of his contract. He wasn't happy about it, but I think everyone understands why they'd want to do that. Uh, then we had one of, one of my favourite players, or my favourite player, 100%, got both of his jerseys from the NBL. Casper uh, Ware Jr. just recently opted out of his contract as well. Just, uh, just uh, pretty much twelve hours before the deadline, he announced that. Yeah, just yeah, just just got in there just in time. So, I mean, it's not like he may not return ever. It's just he chose this way, just to give himself that little bit those options later on down the track. Uh, Brisbane Bullets big man Matt Hodgson also, uh, Nick Kay, uh, who has, who's played many games for the Australian Boomers. Actually, he's a very good player. Very good player in his own right. Been playing overseas as well. And young gun Xavier Cooks from the Sydney Kings. So there tends to be uh, a few players who are going to, I think, have opted out of their contracts. But I don't think that's all bad. I think because the clubs still have their rights to them if, if the league were to return to a normal state. So I think that's okay. And they're just doing what's in the best interest for them and their and their family. But... On the positive side, there's actually been a lot of a lot of guys uh, not opt out. So you've had you had guys like the uh, marquee player for the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, Mitch Creek. He's he's chosen to opt into his contract, so he's going to stay and uh, keep going for the rest or the, play out the rest of his contract, which is really good for uh, the Southeast that Melbourne is, Phoenix. That, that that's huge for that franchise. Um, with him being their marquee signing, uh, coming into their second season in the competition. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So um, it was really good for them to to lock him down because he essentially has been their franchise to start off this start off their first year, and it's not easy going through this in your uh, pretty much your first off season as an NBL franchise. So it's not ideal, but I guess that's good uh, for all those Melbourne United fans out there. They've They've had a lot of 
players opt into contracts for them as well, which is really good. They've had four guys opt in. So they had Mitch McCarron, uh, Shay Ely, Casey Prather, another big name who, who didn't play much last year, but is very much, very much one of the best players in the league. And also Joe Lawal Akul have also opted in for their 2020-21 contracts. So that's really good for Melbourne United that they're creating a good culture down there and a lot of guys want to stay and they trust the trust the processes as the 76ers and Joel Embiid would say. So, yeah, United are obviously doing the right things, which is good. I'm not saying all the other teams aren't, but um, it's really good that those players are, are committed, committed to the club. And a lot of um, New Zealand Breakers players have also opted in to their contracts as, as well. So that was, that's really good to see actually. So I was glad to see that the NBL was, they're really trying to make the league as best as possible going into the future. And I think, I think they will. They've had, they had a pretty successful season uh, last um, year. I heard um, the last few games. I was listening to the um, mastermind behind the NBL, uh, Larry Kesselman on the radio and he sort of said it's while it's unfortunate this has had to happen it's come off their best ever season where they have so much momentum and so much positive vibe they have really reached their goals or started to really hit that goal of being viewed as the second best league outside the NBA yeah no definitely it's it's the league is certainly very much up and coming so they probably, in terms of a league itself, they're probably, at the moment, I would say they're just behind Spain as well. With obviously the NBA taking precedence. I don't, that's never going to be beaten. But as the second best league, basketball league around the world, at the moment, I reckon Australia is sitting at number three at the moment, but, but slowly in, uh, decreasing the gap between them and Spain because we're, we're creating such great opportunities for all these international players and young young Australian players to, to make a name for themselves. And you see Mitch Creek coming into the league after having a few stints in the uh, NBA last season with the Minnesota Timberwolves and, and the Brooklyn Nets as well. He played a, few, played a few games, albeit a few minutes in each of those games, but that's the main goal for a lot of these guys that want to get to the NBA. And also to have the NBA future program, uh, which saw obviously saw... Lamelo Ball play for the Warra Hawks is it's all just positive coming out and seeing the the competition grow and with Lamelo now looking at potentially buying the Warra Hawks, there's just so much positivity coming across from America and we spoke about that a few weeks ago on um, one of our earlier podcasts. Yeah, no, it was, it was great to have Lamelo Ball out here, a potential top five pick as well, and also. RJ Hampton, who played for the New Zealand Breakers, played a few more games than what Lamelo did for Illawarra, but he's very much a first-round top fifteen lottery pick in this year's in this year's draft as well. So it's great to I, I really love the initiative that the NBL and NBA have taken with 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 doing with doing this, and I think this is going to be a stepping stone for a lot of players coming forward. I think a lot of kids coming out of high school are going to take the route of possibly not going to college and just going to a real men's league where they're playing against real men, 
before taking that next step into the NBA. So they may the college systems may lose out a lot in the next few years if if guys like Lamelo and RJ are paying off and not going to college and coming to leagues around the world where they're up against some of the best players as well from their countries. And I think that only you only get better from playing against men and and you're obviously going to play against the best men in the world when you go to the NBA. So it's a good it's a good start for them, and I think. It's a it's a it's another great initiative that I hope continues throughout for a very long time, and I think I think it will because it's proven to be it's proven to work this season, and I I hope they continue it for seasons to come with the new new players coming out of high school. Yeah, absolutely. Now moving on. Um, last week, uh, Cricket Australia released their contracted list of both men and women's players for the upcoming year. And it, to be honest, a few of the uh, omissions uh, definitely caught my eye. But just, just going quickly in it, the uh, contracted list is uh, Ashton Agar, Joe Burns, Alex Carey, Patrick Cummings, Aaron Finch, Josh Hazelwood, Travis Head, Manus Lebeshane, Nathan Lyon, Mitchell Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, Tim Payne, James Pattinson, Jai Richardson, Kane Richardson, Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark, Matthew Wade, David Warner, and Adam Zampa. What's your a- first thought on that list, Jay? Well, my first thought is one of my one of my favourite batsmen, I think. One of the most technically correct batsmen is not in there and should be in there, in my opinion, very, very strongly. And that's my number one player who should be in there. And that's Usman Kawaja. He should 100% have a, uh, a Cricket Australia contract. There's 20 names that you read out there. And he's, in my opinion, one of the top five bats in Australia. And there's no doubt he should have a contract. And hopefully... Maybe they're just sending him a message and he, and he might get one next year, but he 100% should be in there right now because he's still, he's still batting well. And I don't know what he's done particularly wrong to lose out on a, on a contract. And I think I could not agree with you more. He is in my top five best batsmen in, the competi- in, in Australia. And I think looking back at the test, the Amazon, Amazon's brilliant documentary, which we spoke about in the last podcast was there were moments where he spoke and shared opinions on how to grow. And it was actually a great moment between him and uh, Justin Langer that really spoke volumes. And I think that really speaks in a good way about uh, Usman Khawaja. The question I have is, is he too similar to some of the other players that got contracts where their spot in the test team is the safest thing, the safest. There's, I can't see a chance of Manus Lebeshane or Stephen Smith or David Warner being removed from the Australian test team. Is it just that he plays in the same position as those guys or is the reason that he didn't get a contract or do you see it some another way, Jake? I think 
with obviously, as you said, the revelation of Marnus Labashain over the last, let's say, year and a bit, and obviously the return of David Warner and Steve Smith has really put Usman a little bit on the outside. And as of late, besides that Pakistan series where he did open, he has been batting at three in, in a spot that Marnus has and I think has locked up for a long time now. So I can only really see a spot for him as an opener. And I know he's done the job there before and, he, and he's a brilliant batsman. So I think he could bat anywhere in the top four. It's just that there's only one spot and that's in the, in the opening position. And currently that's, in my opinion, taken up by his Queensland counterpart in Joe Burns, who was in my Ashes squad for this coming summer. So I'm kind of glad to see Joe Burns there. Actually, I think he's very much in Ah, yes, we're we're playing India. You're a year ahead. ahead. So my quick question for you, you were the Queensland captain. Yep. You have Usman Usman Kawaja, Manus Lebeshain, Joe Burns, and for argument's sake, let's say Matthew Renshaw. Yep. Who opens the batting? I'm probably going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Usman and I'm going to go Joe Burns. And then Renshaw, I assume at four or yeah. missing out on the team. Just for uh, just for to put it as a for viewpoint, the current captain of the Queensland team is Usman Kawaja, so he's got a yeah, very exactly. difficult decision to make. My uh, my view with um, Usman though, and this is a bit harsh, the yep. summer where we played India and we had Smith and Warner out, that was his opportunity to lock his spot in the Australian Test team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, completely he agree. He did with you miss on that, that opportunity, and, and I, th- I think that is one view that the selectors could look. He had that opportunity to lock the team up, like Marnus did this year, and he didn't. Uh, he didn't take advantage of it, and I think that's um, one issue with Usman Kwaja. He had the opportunity, and you could almost even say, go back to, and I was listening to uh, Jared Waitley. Yes, I talk about this with our Crash Craddock. He must, and Crash raised the point, he must regret when um, Tim Payne became Australian captain mid-test that he wasn't in a position to say, I want to be the captain now. I'm not saying, I think they made the correct decision with Tim Payne. I think that was the kind of leader we needed at that time. But it's just, imagine how different his career would have been if he was and stayed as test captain at that point in time. Yeah, it's really interesting to look at it that way, I think. You, you make a very, very, very good point. That. The other... A... Yeah, go on. Oh, no, I was just, just going to say that I think that this will only drive him. And Usman's a very strong character. So as you saw in the test, as you were mentioning before, he's a very strong character, willing to tell Justin Langer whatever. He he told him he told him how it is. wasn't afraid to voice his opinion or anything like that. So I think it will bounce back from that, from this, and hopefully in the future does earn, does earn that contract back. So question without notice, 
do you see Usman Khawaja playing test cricket again? Personally, I do. Because you've got guys like uh, Matthew Wade, who have earned a contract this year after not having one in the previous year. And I think it just goes to show that Matthew Wade had did have a, a really good Sheffield Shield season to get him back into that into that test mix. So I think if if Usman just puts his head down and has a really good Sheffield Shield season, which he'll dominate 100%. He's a class batsman and one, one of the best in Australia. So I think I think he will come back and play test cricket for Australia as well. What are your what are your thoughts? You have the same sort um, of opinion as me? No, I don't. I think no? it is I I'm not I'm not gonna say the door's shut, but the door is closing. Um, it's a jar. It's a jar at the moment. Um he the reality is he's thirty three years old. He is in the in the closing stages of the prime of his career, um, I ju- I just think there are a lot of young and very talented batsmen in the wings, yep. and who deserve either their first or even second opportunity in the Test team, and it might be better for cricket moving forward to go with them over giving a a fourth or fifth chance to Usman Khawaja. I think it is a harsh reality, but I just see there are a lot of young players coming in. And however, the only position I can see Usman Khawaja playing for Australia now is opening the batting with David Warner. I think every other... He can't bat five. Um, No, it's too low. Too low. So yeah, so he has to open. But I think his chances are closing. The other name. I, will, that- I, will, I was just going to put this before we move on to the next little bit. I was just going to put this to you, just as a little bit of a, a counterpoint, if I if I may. So, you said Usman was thirty three, yeah? Yep. Guys like Matthew Wade, who's thirty two, got another chance, and guys like Sean Marsh, as well, who was who was. 33, 32, 33, when he got, a set, got another chance as well. That's the only thing that Cricket Australia does. They do love to go back to the guys that they've relied on in the past. They haven't gone straight to the young guys, albeit with Marnus, they just went, they went straight for him, which is good, which I like to see. But as of late, they've still gone back to those guys that they've trusted in the past, like Wade back in the day when he was making tons against uh, the West Indies. Sean Marsh has made a ton at pretty much every position in the top five. They're guys that have done it for them before. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does come back in even at, even at an age of 34 or 33, if he, if he gets back in barring injury or something like that. So yeah, right. it's just something to think about. Great point. But my only argument I'm going to throw back at you is I don't think they um, Cricket Australia had the option to pick a young player at that point in time, which they do now. I don't think the young batting talent was there even a few years ago, whereas that batting talent is there now. So it's it's sort of like 
I completely get your point. Uh, Chris Rogers, Adam Voges, both played a lot of cricket around 35, 36 and didn't come in Mike, until that age. Mike Hussey. Mike Hussey. Mike Hussey. So there's like, don't, absolutely. It can still happen. I just, I don't, I, I'm going to, I think it's less likely rather than more likely. Yeah. And I completely get that. The, the guys have developed, which is really good. The young, the young kids are developing a lot faster. So I would love to see some young guys get a chance as well. I mean, that's what we. That's why we watch cricket. We want to see some new players and and things like that. But yeah, no, I definitely get it. But I personally would love to see him back in the team. I think he's one of the most technically correct batsmen that we have in Australia. And I actually also would like to see him there, but I just don't see it happening. The other name that I was expecting to see in the uh, contracted list was Marcus Stoinis, and I know he had a pretty average World Cup, and he's form for Australia during last year wasn't great, but he then came home and absolutely nailed the Big Bash. Um, I smashed smashed it. Smashed it. However, the issue I I think just I'm 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 looking at it with the selector hat on. Yep. Australia's got two openers opening the batting for Australia that would open the batting for every single country in the world in Aaron Finch yep. and David Warner. Couldn't agree more. Yep, definitely. And it being a T20 World uh, a T twenty World Cup year was the reason why I thought he would have definitely made, um, been arguably the best T20 player in the Big Bash um, this year. I would have thought he would have been selected, but you can, if, if he can't open... Cast about at three, and then you've got Steve Smith, who also really does need to bat in the top three as well. So, sort of similar to Usman, he's just plays the same position as other players who are better than him. He's just been squeezed out pretty much. If yeah, because if he if he was to drop down to say a number six, he's still fighting for spots with guys like Mitch Marsh and Glenn Maxwell, who who have contracts as well. And are around the same age as well. So Mitch Marsh is only 28 and um, Glenn Maxwell's 31 and Steinis is 30. So they're all around that same age. They they just got squeezed. He just got squeezed out. Didn't quite... Yeah. They didn't think, obviously, that Steinis was... Better's not, a, better's not a great word, but they obviously think at the moment that Marsh is the better option because obviously Maxwell offers that second spinning option and, and has been playing is, well as yeah. of late. And when you look at the sort of the Marshes and the Mitch Marshes and the Glenn Maxwells, they can start hitting the ball for fours and sixes from ball one. Whereas yeah, definitely. Marcus Stornis is a little bit slower and he makes it up at the end. But if, he's, if you're coming in with five overs to go and you need 12 and over, you would much rather have a Glenn Maxwell or Mitchell Marsh coming in than a Marcus Stoinis. Oh, 100%. And you saw that in the Big Bash as well with Marcus Stoinis. You're right. He took he, he could have taken three overs, four overs to get to 10. Like He did take his time, but as you said... He made it up be, in the end. He'd be, yeah, he'd be hitting 10, 12, possibly more and over if he was still in at the end. As we saw with his brilliant knock at the MCG against the Sixers. That was that was phenomenal, but um, 
he yeah. just got squeezed just got squeezed out i think of of the contracts because you can only have 20 and i guess you don't want to have too many all-rounders there you want some guys who are are very skillful at one or the other yeah and i i could not agree with you more the only other bit that um that caught my eye with the squad was um the inclusion of both Jai Richardson and Kane Richardson. Don't get me wrong, they're both great, great, great cricketers. However, I would have definitely had... Um, I know Jai um, Richardson played uh, really well last summer and uh, earned... Oh, not last summer, the summer before, um, and earned his uh, test debut. But I would have gone uh, with uh, Michael Nisa over him, purely because he was a 12th man in pretty much every test Australia's played since the first test in England. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I, I tend to agree with you there. I, I would probably, I would ha- probably have him out f- for more Kane Richardson than I would Jai. I think Jai is a very good bowler and he's had a contract for the last couple of years now. So I think it's good to have that young bowling type. I think would have been nice for, for Nisa to get a contract. I mean, I know it doesn't, doesn't mean that's the end of the world. He doesn't get a test for Australia, but it's always nice to reward what he's done, as you said, being 12th man for and the best part of 10 test matches. And every single Australian cricketer has said he is an absolute team first cricketer. I, I on ability, would have had Jai Richardson in the um, contracted list first because I think he's a better bowler than Kane Richardson. But I, yeah. I picked Kane... Um, over Jai purely because it's a T20 World Cup year and a huge focus on um, the contract list um, in many eyes is on that T20 World Cup. And um, Michael Clark, who is kind of a bit outspoken of late, um, suggested that um, Chris Lynn should have uh, received a contract this year purely because it's a contract, uh, a, a T20 World Cup year, which... I understand where he's coming from, but Chris Lynn has, in my eyes, failed playing on the international stage so far in his career. And he also comes up with a problem of Australia's got the best opening partnership in T20 cricket with David Warner and um, Aaron Finch. No, no one's going to open the batting above those two anywhere in the world. No, I, I I tend to I tend to agree with you. I, I'm I'm a bit against having Chris Lynn in in the Cricket Australia contracts just because, as you said, he's sitting behind two of the best batsmen. He would only be playing T20s purely. He wouldn't obviously he would be playing Test matches, and I don't think he would get a gig in the one day squad. Only if we were very desperate would he get one I think and obviously his body's not the best at not the greatest at the best of times and obviously with his shoulders he can't really throw and he's a bit of a bit of a liability in the field sometimes so having a cricket australia contract just for just for a guy who's going to play the odd t20 i understand with it being a t20 year there's obviously going to be more matches but i think he I think he's good where he is at the moment and, and doing well doing well for himself playing for the Brisbane Heat and obviously making making a bit of money playing in the IPL as well. I'm sure he'll uh, earn some money in years to come when he 
keeps playing in the uh, IPLs. And I think um, this this is a bit harsh. He can only, in my eyes, play for Australia if both David Warner and Aaron Finch aren't in the team. If yep. Australia's just missing one of them, Marcus Stoinis is the obvious replacement. He needed them to be both out injured for him to come in, in, in my yeah, opinion. I think, yeah, no, nah, I think you're right. I think, I think his days for Australia may be done. Just because, just because there is so much depth and so much and so much batting, there, there is becoming a lot more batting in the shorter forms of the game. We've got a lot more, lot more options than obviously the Test arena. But with the one days and the T20s, we've got a lot more options. And I know he's a very good T20 player, but I think from now on it'll be, well, he'll just leave it to the domestic scene at the Brisbane Heat and uh, a few IP, IPL leagues and T20 leagues around the world. And just for those who were wondering, the uh, players that missed out on a contract that got the contract the year before were Usman Kawaja, Nathan Kudanile, Peter Hanscom, Marcus Harris, Sean Marsh, and of course, Marcus Stoinis. Um, both Peter Siddle and Ashton Turner earned an Australian Cricket Australia contract, not at the initial announcement like these players did today. They earned it a little bit later on in the year through the Ashes, or um, World World Cups, yeah, in the One yep. Day World Cup last year. Some of the players that got added into the side are Manus Levashane and his first contract, Joe Burns, Ashton Agar, Mitchell Marsh, Kane Richardson and Matthew Wade all earned contracts. So there is still an opportunity um, should normal situations apply. I know Cricket Australia have got a lot of uh, financial situations at the moment. But in a normal circumstance here, a couple of players could be added to that list. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you, throw you a question here. From question without notice, as you like to, as you like to call it. Going from names that aren't actually listed in the, in, the 20, in the 20 contracts that were given by Cricket Australia and not including people that could have, that did have one last year and have missed out. Who's someone let's say in the next two or three years that you think is going to have a Cricket Australia contract? I know um, it's a bit of a tough, tough question off, off the cuff, but I thought you might have an might answer to this, this question. I've got, got a, I've got three names. Um, I'll admit I'm a Victorian, so there might be a bit of a uh, big bias. Um, <laughs> a very uh, topical uh, AFL reference there. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to say uh, Will Popkowski. Um, he is, you could say, the anointed future batsman. Um, Nick Maddinson, yeah, I'm probably his number one supporter at the moment over. He's had two phenomenal Shield seasons. No one's going off the top of my head. No one scored more runs than him in the last two Shield seasons. And uh, Curtis Patterson, who made a superb 100 and then got dropped and not got selected on an Ashes tour which was a bit stiff in my opinion but they're just a couple of names, a few names I think will definitely feature a lot particularly in the uh, longer formats of the game but just names that I I see a bright futures for but that's all we've uh, got time for tonight um, Jake is just going to run over some of our social media details and I'll hand over to him 
Yeah, so obviously we've got our, our social media now. We've got a Twitter and we've got an Instagram. Both are at under pressure one underscore. Again, at under pressure one underscore. Also, as always, don't forget to listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can get them on the iTunes store as well as the app Podbean, which has which is also on the Google Play Store. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Under Pressure podcast. We will be releasing a top 10 list on Saturday, so look out for that. And we will see you on the next. See you later.